out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. In the third installment of our international podcast host series, we meet Hannah Garland from the Your Uncommon Life podcast. Hannah lives about an hour from Portland, Oregon in the United States. She started thinking of doing a podcast about two years ago when she had a miscarriage, but only got around to it a few weeks ago. That just shows that a good idea does not die, and we should never give up on the dream. I grab a podcast on Audrey, which you can find at www.app.audrey, that's A-U-D-R-Y at I-O. But she can be heard on all the major podcast platforms. This is the write-up to a podcast. Encouraging words for busy days, tough seasons, and women who do it all, with a perspective rooted in faith and rounded out with years of working high-pressure jobs to amateur fighting and now motherhood. I aim to encourage women to make intentional choices to focus their lives around what matters most to them. I explore topics like hope, vulnerability, identity, and habit formation. I'm on this journey too, and together we can figure out how to feel at peace and unburdened. That sounds awesome. Hannah is now a full-time mother to a seven-month-old boy and loves every moment of motherhood. Her podcast is both inspirational, educational, and hard-hitting. And most of all, although it is aimed at women, men can learn a lot from the offering. You can learn more about Hannah on her website, which is www.youruncommonlife.com. www.youruncommonlife.com. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. Please also look out for information on my new book, Life for Non, a 12-step guide to life for non-addicts. You can find it by following the link from the right of my homepage. It costs 300 rand without postage. Order from me in my shop, which is www.freddyshop.co.za. That Freddy is spelled with an I-E. This is Hannah's story. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. For me, it is good evening. For you, it's good morning. Hannah Garland, welcome to Meet Me in the Field. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you. It is good morning, though I have to have a very bright light in my face because um, it's still dark <laughs> in Seattle. Serious? What time uh, is it then? Yeah. It's 9.30. Technically, the sun has risen, but today is one of those days where you don't see it. Our winter sun is either very, very bright uh, when it rises and comes directly in through my window. I actually have taken some beautiful pictures of the sunrise, or it's completely hidden by clouds and very dark, okay. and that happens to be today. Ah, okay. And what's the temperature where you are today? Let me check. You're, you're, you're close to Seattle. So, so, so let, let's I am see. an hour outside of Seattle and it is 39 degrees. That is Fahrenheit. So that is about 12 degrees Celsius, I would say. That's definitely I don't know. One thing it's I, I, I need to get a little to. above freezing. <laughs> okay. um, 
I can say it's nice. We're, we're on 23 on Sunday. It's actually a beautiful day in Cape Town today. And my neighbors are having, as we're speaking, are having dinner outside in the garden. So um, that's the type of weather it is. That sounds nice. So, Hannah, thank you so much for agreeing to being my guest on Meet Me in the Field and to chat to us about your, your spiritual journey, your spirit, your sense of being. And we really appreciate it. So let's get going. I don't work with questions. I allow the conversation needs to go where the conversation goes. So I did, as I mentioned earlier, I did cyber stalk you a little bit, and it seems as if I cyber stalked the complete wrong <laughs> in the process. But the anyway. person you stalked sounds very interesting, though. <laughs> Whoever she, she does, is, doesn't she? Maybe the I, other I, me. I should hunt her down and say to you, "You are the one that I want to speak to." Yeah. But I'm sure you are interesting as well. So you mentioned that you live close to Seattle and that's also where you grew up. Am I correct? Yes. I also grew up about an hour from Seattle, but in a different direction. I grew up in a city called Tacoma. Okay. Did you grow up religiously with a sense of spirit in the house? Tell me a little bit about your spiritual growing up, if I can call it that way. Yes. My spiritual growing up. We, uh, we definitely had religion in the house. My dad actually has a bachelor's degree in, I believe it's secondary religious education from a school called Multnomah, just outside of Portland, Oregon. So we grew up Christian in the household. Both of my parents were Christian. Okay. And how many children are you? I am the youngest of four. I have three older brothers. Three older brothers. So you are the little spilled girl at the end of the line. I hear that a lot. I think that the youngest in general tends to end up either spoiled or teased and, and you know, beaten up. And I was definitely the latter. Uh, three out of the four of us were always the same size growing up, despite the age differences. One was just a giant, but a gentle giant. So he stayed out of it. But the rest of us were always the same size, even very young. And um, so we would just fight and fight to no end. There was never a winner. And I, I, I would like to think I didn't grow up spoiled for that reason, but I suppose they would have to have a better opinion of that than I would. (laughs) I don't want to say, but but there's no doubt in my mind that if anybody touched little sister at school, they would have felt it. Maybe if little sister (laughs) didn't get to them first. Awesome. (laughs) How was high school for you? High school. Yeah. Well, I started high school with two of my brothers also in the same school, older than me. So, you know, I definitely knew someone in school, though I didn't dare speak to them. So that helped. High school. Gosh, I haven't thought about high school in a while. I was awkward, as I think most people are. I think I veiled my awkwardness with unkindness a lot. I was just unkindness oh, oh unkindness yeah <laughs> if a boy seemed to like me or something that would be the boy that I would lash out at and tease okay. mercilessly I'm not too proud of that but I think that that's what I recall most about who I was in high school unfortunately okay and are you the music player or is there somebody else in the house playing music because I see a guitar standing next to you Oh yeah, that's my my husband's guitar, and I uh, could play it, but poorly, and it wouldn't sound like any recognizable song. <laughs> we also have a grand piano in our living room, oh, and 
Um, again, I play only okay, but my husband is a classically trained pianist. His grandma actually used to um, teach for the Seattle Symphony. She's oh sort word. of an amazing pianist. So he taught, uh, she taught all the grandchildren and my husband plays really well. So awesome. I barely try even anymore. <laughs> yeah, I tried to teach myself piano about four or five years ago and I just found it impossible. It was, I, I just cannot do it. My husband has like in grade six of the British Academy of Music, you know, or South Africa, we kind of link to the British quite a lot. So he plays beautifully as well, but I just, I, I just don't have, have any music in me, I think. So we did. It's really hard when you're older too, to yeah, try, I not that you're so. old, but I mean, not a child <laughs> to try to, you know, older, absorb I hear you. skills I hear like you. that. Wiser. Does your husband now make music professionally or is it just a pure, a pure hobby? He does not make music professionally. It is a hobby of his. He will sometimes make songs or, but just for fun. Um, Often he'll hear music on TV or something and it'll just give him an an idea for a song and he'll just go play something beautiful that he just created in his head. So he definitely has a talent for it, but not professionally, no. Okay. And how long have you two been together? We've been together since 2011 and we got married in 2012. Okay. And you just became a mother. Yes. Is that number one? It is uh, child number one, pregnancy number two, and he is seven months old. Oh, cool. The little boy. Yeah. And how how are you coping with mother? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I had no idea it was going to be so awesome and so much fun. Before you become a new mom, I feel like people often say, oh, just wait, your life's going to be totally different. Oh, you can't enjoy that after you become a new mom. But the things that you do enjoy as a new mom are so much greater than the things you used to enjoy that I don't mourn the loss of those things. I absolutely love being a mom. Sure, it has its challenges, but the challenges are completely outweighed by the awesome moments. By the, by the unconditional love. It's definitely unconditional love, but man, he's just a blast. He's the <laughs> funnest person I've ever met. I had no idea. Are you serious? Yeah, he's That's so wonderful. funny. So who does he take Maybe off? I just think he's funny. <laughs> well, obviously I'm the funnier one. No, I, I think babies are just funny and he has a spitfire of a, of a personality already so it's amazing how quickly that his own unique wonderful out, person hey? yeah that's awesome yeah we are godparents to a two-year-old two-year and one month old and she's now at the phase where she's definitely not attached to parents anymore so the tantrums are starting and her mom just has the most interesting view on it. And that's exactly what she says. It's kind of, it's really uncomfortable, the tantrums, but it's really interesting to perceive, to see it happening. So she kind of nearly has a scientific approach to the tantrums, <laughs> which makes it much, much easier for her. So what's the part of, of motherhood that you find difficult? Uh, I actually haven't even really thought of that, to be honest, because it's just so much fun. 
And I'm not one of those people to tend to gloss over things that are hard. I'm really honest about it in everything else I publish, but man, let me think about that. Obviously, I mean, the easy answer is lack of sleep. I am so tired. I really okay, am. Yeah. In addition to not sleeping well while pregnant, I also haven't slept well for the last seven months. Oh, no. So yeah, I am very tired. I suppose that's honestly just the hardest part yeah. is adjusting to that new normal. Yes. And that new normal lasts for a few years. So that must be incredibly, incredibly difficult. Until I, you I have the next kid and then it starts over. <laughs> I treasure my sleep with my whole heart and my whole soul. So I cannot imagine what it must be like to struggle with sleep. And how helpful is hubby in this whole process? Oh, he's super helpful. I've said before, and I'll say again, I don't think I would have made it through the first few weeks, especially without him just as a person, just being who he is. They're such weirdly trying times for a new mom, emotionally, hormonally, physically. Oh. And you sometimes your brain even literally plays tricks on you. You, you know, you just, you go to dark places in your mind. You're sad for really no reason. Yes. And you really need that stable, sane person who hasn't just been pregnant and pushed a baby out yeah. to be there just as an emotional rock. And he was definitely that in addition to being the person who made sure I was fed and held my hand during the 3 a.m. feedings, which I called the darkest hour. That's when yeah. I was the most emotionally just all over the place. And he would wake up at 3 a.m. just to tell me stories and read me books to keep me like outside of my own head. Keep oh, me saying, keep me awake. He sounds like an angel. <laughs> I'll tell him you said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he was very steady and I needed someone steady. And I, I honestly don't know how single moms do it. Like my heart goes out to them because I, I could barely do it. And I had someone very much involved. Yeah, yeah. Those first few weeks anyway. I'm I, better now. I, I'm very, very happy to hear that. I'm better that's, now. <laughs> that's wonderful. So, Hannah, you host a podcast called Your Uncommon Life. Yes. And I'm, go I'm going to ask a question that might sound strange. Why? <laughs> that's actually a great Great question. Uh, it's not something people typically just do, or if they do, they're typically doing it as part of a business or something else they've already established, which I didn't have. So yeah, I guess the story starts two years ago, if I may. So it might be yes. a little drawn out. Go for it. Give me the details. <laughs> <laughs> two years ago, I, I had a miscarriage and it was um, 10 weeks into the pregnancy, we had already seen the heartbeat on an ultrasound, which is usually when the risk goes down dramatically. So I started to feel much more solid in the pregnancy, like, yeah. yes, this will go forward. And then when we went in for another ultrasound and learned that the baby had died, but I had just kept on going, being pregnant, Oof. it was really devastating for me emotionally, obviously, but then even just the miscarriage itself was actually physically such a trying ordeal for me and the emotional or the hormonal roller coaster you go on was such a trying ordeal. And I felt super alone in that I knew that statistically a lot of women miscarried, but yeah. I didn't know who they were. It people weren't whoever they were, if they were in my life, they weren't talking about it. Yes. So I didn't know who I could talk to where I could go for support. And eventually I just sort of like burst emotionally. And I was like, I have to tell someone. And I just had this notion that if I started telling people those, 
I'd find someone, you know what I mean? And I did when I started telling people, um, at first I was afraid, oh, it's going to be a burden for them. They're going to think I'm just pitiable, but the opposite was true. Not only was it not a burden for them, but in the process of telling people, I found that it unburdened other people by telling my pain and, and my story. That's, that's just vulnerability, right? When you're vulnerable, it, it helps other people. And I thought, man, how can I do this on a bigger scale? Cause not only now do I feel better, but other people obviously do too. And now I have yeah. this community of women who I know have had miscarriages and we can talk about this. I just wanted to destigmatize that conversation about miscarriage, but I also wanted to destigmatize vulnerability in general. Yes. Wonderful. I love, love, so, love what I'm hearing. But that was two years ago. And I just started the podcast seven weeks ago or something. It's because I, I just couldn't figure out how to make the conversation bigger than miscarriage. I didn't know how to make a whole platform out of that thing. I didn't know okay. if I was going to do a blog. I didn't really have a direction. And all of a sudden I, I quit my job when my son was five months old. So in October, and I just thought, oh, I need to do this now. This is my chance. And all of a sudden I, I literally just woke up one day and I was like, well, I don't have to talk about just miscarriage. I can just share encouraging and inspiring things via all the other stories I have and stories of other people. Like yeah. this doesn't have to be limited. And so the podcast was born out of that. Five weeks later, I had a podcast instead of a blog because I realized people don't read. I read. So I I write a blog for me. There is still a blog, but no one reads it except me, I think. And maybe one or maybe my mom. And there's a, and mom, and there's a podcast for everyone else. So my mom also reads my podcast instead of listening because, you know, (laughs) but yeah, that's, that's how, that's why I started the podcast. I just want a platform for people to know that they aren't alone and, um, through stories of, you know, challenges I've been through challenges, other people have been through. And each podcast is around a topic like finding hope in the midst of a storm or all the way through things like, you know, how to be content living with less money and less things. And so, you know, the topics are different, but it's centered around this idea of we all have challenges. We all have struggles. Let's be encouraged. Yeah. So that's an interesting thing you mentioned. How do we live with less money, less things? Because my first thought went to your husband kind of, uh, my wife's now without, without a job. So, so sole responsibility is not mine and there's a baby. I can see how your mind would go there. Um, Obviously we agreed on me being a stay-at-home mom. We knew when, before I even got married that eventually I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. So we've been really intent from the get-go to live as close as we can to living off of only one income, even when I had a job. So finding homes that we could afford on one income, for example, and planning for this exact scenario, basically. Awesome. So everything was 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 well planned, well debated. No no shocks to the system. Yeah. No, we are completely aligned on on this scenario. I awesome. mean, he's in the other room and, and listening, so he could easily come in and tell me I'm wrong. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're aligned on on this scenario. That's a, that's super important. <laughs> Mr. Garland, if you got something to say, now's the time to say it. <laughs> So talk to us a little bit more about the topics that you have covered and which you are planning to cover on your podcast. So the topics that I have covered 
I, I mentioned a couple like Finding Hope in the Midst of the Storm. That's the one I published last on Christmas Eve. And it tells a story of Horatio and Anna Spafford. I don't know if you know, but Horatio Spafford wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, which is a very popular hymn. Even people who aren't Christian know it. And he wrote it when he lost four of his daughters in an accident at sea. Oh my word. Um, and he also thought he had lost his wife as well. Turns out his wife was saved. And he wrote that hymn in response to it. This is, mm. he epitomized, in my opinion, someone who saw hope in the midst of a storm. Yeah. Um, so I write about things, or I talk about things like that. I talk about finding your identity in things outside of work. Awesome. Should you want to, should you want to, mm -hmm. um, obviously people can make their own choices about that, but I know a lot of people don't want their identity to be in work. So I talk about which, that. Which I recommend find to do <laughs> outside your work. <laughs> Workism is a really toxic thing. So, and I've suffered mm -hmm. from it. So I share my own story of Fantastic. working through that and getting out of that. I talk about vulnerability and how it enhances human human connection and friendships. I talk about giving yourself grace when you screw up in, you know, accepting your failures, knowing that you screwed up, but wonderful. making that an objective and non-emotional conversation yeah. with yourself, which is also something I mastered in my former corporate life back. Unfortunately, when I suffered from workism, I also learned some things that I try to share um, Good. <laughs> from the corporate life. Yeah. So what did you it runs the gamut. What did you used to do in corporate life? I've worked at a variety of tech companies in general, actually. Okay. Uh, living near Seattle, there's a lot of them. Uh, specifically, I've worked in marketing and communications capacities. Most recently, I was a manager at a consulting firm for tech companies. So I managed okay. a team who carried out marketing and, and program management tasks. Okay. Um, yeah. So non-tech like roles at tech companies. Yeah. It sounds like a vast amount of work and responsibility. How do you how do you find life now not working? Lovely. You, <laughs> don't you miss it at all? Is, is, is the little one taking up, filling all those gaps? What I miss is the thing that I'm trying to get away from. I miss that the fact that I felt like my title and my salary made me more worthy. Some people might say, oh, I had a sense of purpose. I feel like my sense of purpose was actually a facade for needing to be validated by yeah. how much money I made. Absolutely. Um, I was well compensated and I would, even though I could, and at times did, and I talk about this in my podcast, choose to take lower paying jobs just to give myself a break. I was often just sucked right back into that corporate world with a higher income, knowing mm. it would be a bad situation for me and a challenging and toxic, toxic situation for me, just because I was allured by the validation that yeah. a good salary and job brought. So I, I miss I miss that validation at times, but I know that that's the thing that I'm trying to get away from. So I can have that conversation with myself that, no, I wanted to get away from that. And yeah. I'm just falling back into old habits when I have those, those inner conversations. So what I'm hearing from you is that you seem to have learned the trick to change the narrative. To change the, the self-talk is when, when self-talk goes in one direction, you're quite good to say, okay, stop stop this. this. This is a negative 
Wayne, I need to change the narrative and this is the, the talk that I need to ascribe to if I want to be mentally, mentally healthy, if I want to be okay. I don't know if I've mastered it, but I've definitely wrestled with it a lot and can recognize it. <laughs> and are and you getting better at it? Are you winning some of the wrestling matches? <laughs> I think that I'm a slow learner, but I am slowly getting better at it. I'm, you know, in my thirties now, but, and I've been uh, working I, up until October, I was working in the corporate world in these jobs for 12 years prior to that. And uh, I graduated college a little early. And so it took me those 12 years to finally win the battle in my head. I think mm-hmm. the tides are turning toward in my favor, <laughs> Good. but it took a while. Well, I've got good news for you that as slow learners of which I am definitely one as well is we may struggle to get the lesson, but when we have it, we don't lose it. <laughs> well, because you know all the different pitfalls in your mind. I feel like, and this is something I, when I was in college, I used to teach test prep, SAT prep. I don't know if you have SATs in, in South no, Africa, but it's no, a college I've, exam. I've, I've watched enough American shows and movies <laughs> okay. and you, know, you sit SATs at some stage in your life. <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, obviously off topic from what we're talking about, but the lesson is something that has stuck with me. It was easier for me to teach things that were hard fought for me. I am naturally a good reader and writer, and I could not for the life of me teach writing because grammar just makes sense to me. Okay, yeah. But I am not naturally good at math. I had to work so hard to be good at math, and I could teach all the intricacies and ins and outs of math because I knew what it was like to struggle through it. I knew all the pitfalls, and I had to learn it slowly. So I feel like I've, that's how I think about the lessons I've learned in my mind. You know, I know all the ins and outs of the enemy that sits in my head, and I know... Yes. I know his tactics or her tactic, whoever she is. I'm just coming up with the idea that there's someone sitting in my mind right now. I know all the tactics of, of the naysayer in my head now because it was hard fought. That, I really, really like what you're saying there. I may have to spend a bit more time thinking about it, but it makes perfect sense. It's nearly as if the, the engine that you took apart, you can put back again and know how it works. Well, if you just knew how the engine worked before you took it apart, you, you wouldn't have understood the true intricacies of it before you took it apart. So um, oh, I like that analogy. That was yeah, a lot faster than what I said. <laughs> Much more succinct. That, that's really quite awesome. And the, the, what type of topics do you, do you want to bring to your market? What's up next? What's exciting to look forward to? I'm excited about having guests I have been having a conversation with myself for the last several weeks, just trying to get... Those are the best ones, darling. Don't change it. (laughs) (laughs) I like having conversations with myself. I talk to myself all the time, but I'm also excited about having guests um, sometimes. I just interviewed my first one yesterday. We'll publish it next week. I'm interviewing another next week um, that I'll publish probably the following month. And... What I'm excited about is just bringing other people's stories of adversity and resilience. I'm really interested in people who have been through challenges and know how to overcome them and have confidently overcome them, even if they're still struggling with them. I feel like overcoming doesn't mean the struggles behind you. It means that you're in a mental place to have like confidence through it. And I love talking to people who are going through that. um, Not because you know, I, 
everyone has a struggle. Everyone has a difficulty and maybe they can't relate to someone's specific struggle, but they can relate to their heart. And that's why I'm excited to have different guests on the show, which I'll start doing next month. We actually very much in the same market. I just read podcast in the, the, the concept of spirituality because what happened for me was falling into, into a life of addiction and coming out of it and having, having to find a, 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 a something bigger than the egotistical me who believes I'm the center of the universe. My podcast is very much about the same type of thing. Talk to people about the, their journeys through, through difficulties to, 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 to the light. And that made me think while I was, I was connecting with the, with, 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 the two, with the two podcasts. Was there a time in your life where, where your belief in God faded, where you stepped away and, 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 and found it difficult to, to connect? I, in a way, um, I'll explain it. I don't know if it was my belief fading so much as I just forgot. So when I was in college, um, I, I think I mentioned I graduated college early of that fact. I was very proud of myself and that sort of kicked off a couple of years of my life where I just was very proud of myself, if that makes sense. And anytime in my life where I start to think I am responsible for my own successes and I am bigger than God are the times where I just forget to praise God and thank God. And so what I found, um, well, what happened during that time was I, and I talk about this in one of my podcasts too, um, called, who do you think you are? I, I found, or what was I saying? Oh, I was really proud of graduating college early. I got a great paying job right out of college that Mm. paid more than my dad had ever made. Not that we grew up with a lot of money. I just, it was a goal at the time. Like I just need to not struggle like my parents, which to me meant just making as much money as I could. And that entered me into this period of money is validation for me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, So I made more money than my dad ever had. I had this great apartment in Seattle, like overlooking the water, something a lot of 21 year olds Mm. would never be able to afford really. And this kind of dramatic thing happened to me. I thought I had graduated college. I had been working at this company now for nine months um, after thinking I had graduated. And because I started as an intern there, uh, they asked me, oh, hey, you know, we need your high school diploma um, for some intern or your college diploma for some intern paperworky thing. I don't really know what, but basically they had to, you know, validate that, yes, this person was a college student. Now they're not. Yeah. And I um, was like, yeah, sure, no problem. I definitely graduated, right? And I went back to my college, UW, here in Seattle. And they were like, yeah, you don't have a diploma. We've been trying to contact you. And um, what had happened was I had walked at my ceremony, but all of the grades from your finals, your final exams, don't actually come in until like a couple days later. So okay. you walk on the assumption that you will graduate. Yeah. And I just assumed that I had passed all my exams. And it turns out that in one of the classes I needed for graduation, I got 0.1 lower in GPA than I needed. Oh, no. And I didn't pass that class, meaning I didn't graduate. And I found that out nine months later. Oh, my word. 
So all of a sudden I had to go back to work and tell them, I promise I'm not a liar, but I didn't graduate. And they said, well, you can choose to go back to being an intern until you finish college, which I didn't know when that would be because I didn't have money to pay for college because I'd spent everything I'd made because I just thought I was like living the good life and Mm -hmm. didn't save a penny. Uh, So I didn't know when I'd be able to afford to go back to college and interns didn't really make much money. I think my salary would have been cut down. I basically would have been making minimum wage. Yeah. And they were like, or, you know, you can quit. Like we won't fire you, but you can quit or go back. Those are your two options. Oh my God. So I quit because, yeah, it was really embarrassing. (laughs) I quit because I could make more money waiting tables than doing that job. Um, and but because I wasn't making any money anymore, I also lost my apartment and had to pay basically all of my savings to break the lease early, which is why I didn't have money to pay for college. And all of a sudden, everything that I was so proud of that I had built up for myself was just swept out from under me. I couldn't even Mm. go and try and get a better job because I didn't have a diploma, like waiting tables was it. And there was, um, one day, or the day this all happened, this all happened very quickly. I remember just sitting on my bedroom floor, looking at all the stuff around me, all the stuff I'd spent money on, the reasons that I was broke, the reasons that I was proud, and just thinking, gosh, how meaningless is this? Like, look what I've done. I have built mountains of junk around me that has helped cause my ruin basically, because if I hadn't spent money on this, I could at least afford to, you know, pay for college, move into a slightly better apartment. As having part of that internal dialogue, I also just started remembering verses and things that I had learned in church when I was a kid. It just sort of floated back into my mind. And I felt very strongly, you know, something in my mind, whether it was God or not. I don't know, saying like, you've forgotten about me. You have been Mm -hmm. shoring up things for yourself here on earth, which the Bible talks about is not a good thing and completely forgotten about shoring up treasures for heaven and remembering God. And I just started like weeping and that, you know, people say, oh, there was a moment I was saved. I don't really know if there was a moment I was saved, but that was definitely the moment where I started much being much more intentional about remembering God and trying not to let myself get to the point where I had built so many things for myself that I would fall into pride. Now I've definitely done that since then because I kept searching for money as validation and that's sort of my weak point. Um, But that, that was a time where I had, I think forgotten about God when I was quite proud of myself and then got brought to such a low point where I realized, Oh, Mm -hmm. my life is empty because I forgot about God. Yeah. In recovery, we call that an exercise in humility. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, talk to me about spirituality and motherhood. Has has motherhood changed the way you look at your at your at your relationship with God, or, or, or what God is to or for you? Hmm. I suppose I should have thought about that a little bit more deeply. I've had seven (laughs) months to think about it. I, there is no doubt in my mind that you can function on the spot just like that. 
<laughs> I, I know I'm just amazed that I haven't like journaled about this or something. So I have just been so amazed that God would create such a unique, wonderful little creature from the get-go. Mm. You know, they don't take years to become full-fledged humans. Like he's a fully-fledged person now who is Absolutely. so uniquely himself. He's uniquely and wonderfully made. And that is something that I recognize daily. Like how did God create this yes. perfect, amazing spitfire of a human who, you know, can't even walk yet, but has the strongest opinions about stuff. Um, <laughs> So that's been really interesting to watch. And I'm definitely starting to see into the future how the parent-child relationship to me is a model for the God, Christian, you know, his followers yeah. relationship. Um, and I can see how our burden as parents is a little bit greater than it looks on the surface because we are intended to model that and that's, something that, you know, I'm not prepared for, but I trust that God will help me grow into mm. it because he makes us worthy of our calling. I always, in my, my work and in my own recovery process, we talk about step three of the 12 steps says we turn our will, we turn our will and lives over to the care of God. We made a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God. And I always say to people that that word care for me is the most fundamental word in the 12 steps, because the picture that I get is of that mother-child relationship, is I am just a helpless child, and my higher power is the, 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 the entity that just absolutely 100% fully cares. Yeah, I think a lot of people see God as this sort of like overseer, taskmaster, but the Bible isn't a list of tasks. It's a principled framework for, you know, that your own unique life can fit into, but also... God is love. God is grace. God is discipline. God is all of those things. And that, you know, if you think about the best parent, the parent who never screws up, that's, that's the model There isn't something like that. <laughs> there isn't something like that, but we all have an ideal in our heads. We, we, you know we, what we I mean? We all think we are, our friends are those people. <laughs> We're, we're given an ideal. It exists in our brains, whether or not it exists in real life. Mm. And we can imagine, you know, the parent who never screws up. And that's, well, that's you, God. You, it sounded from what you said earlier that you, you worked in marketing. So you were probably responsible for creating that picture that there are parents like that. <laughs> I, I actually worked in marketing for the most boring things. Um, I don't know if you've heard of blockchain, like Bitcoin. Yes. Yes. But not not Bitcoin. Bitcoin's like a sexy financial thing. Blockchain also works for like supply chain scenarios okay, and logistics. Blockchain is a technology behind Bitcoin, basically. It's a yeah. ledger-based fabric and I'll stop talking. But uh, the, the thing I did was so boring. I marketed <laughs> blockchain-related um, technology to technology companies. So I would make that technology sound really ideal, but nothing like unsexy. <laughs> it's the least, yeah, it's the least sexy thing you could possibly market, unless you really like blockchain, I guess. Awesome. Listen, um, I try to keep my episodes about forty-five minutes, so we're going to wrap up with. Where do people find your podcast if they want to listen to you? 
If they listen yeah, to so, this, this chick sounds interesting. I want to catch her somewhere. Where, where and how can people catch you? <laughs> yeah. So my podcast and if you want is to read called your blog as well. Sorry to interrupt you there. No, you're fine. It's the same. Um, my, my podcast is called Your Uncommon Life. You can find it at youruncommonlife.com, okay. which is my yeah. website. Um, I have all my blogs and my podcasts there. I also have links to specifically iTunes and Spotify okay, on see. my listen page on my website. But you can also just go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts and find your uncommon life. It's still relatively new. So I've had a hard time finding it via the search feature on some of those providers. So it might be easier if you just go to youruncommonlife.com and click the iTunes link yeah. that I have there. Awesome. That's wonderful. So I want to thank you. Thank you. For your time and your energy. And, and the little one slept through all of this. Well, Oh, he's in the room T with you. TBD. No, I'm watching. I'm watching oh, his baby okay. monitor. Hold on. Oh, awesome. He, no, he's uh, he's been awake for about a half an hour playing in his crib oh, by himself. Oh, he's no, he's actually really good at that. I've been. I don't know if you've seen me kind of glance yes, to the I left. Have. I'm just looking at the monitor, and every yeah. so often, I just he's completely quiet, just like playing with his hands. Oh, that's so wonderful. as long as he's content and safe, we're good. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I know this isn't easy to, to, to take a gap in your day to, to entertain my hobby. So um, I'm really, oh, very, fun. very grateful for that. And I'm going to put a link in my write-up to the podcast to your website so people know where to find you. Thank and you very much. And I'm wishing you a much. most beautiful day and hopefully get through the winter okay. And if I ever end up in the Seattle area, I shall contact you on your website and say, let's do a cup of coffee. Sounds good. Thank you, Freddie. Have a great day. Happy Thank New Year. Much. Oh, yes, to you as well. Um, I don't yeah. want to say anything about the year that's passed. We're not going to go there. 2021 it's, is just going to be cool. I keep saying it's the year that shall not be named. <laughs> exactly. It's, we just move I'm forward. I'm so with you on that one. Look after yourself. See ya. Bye-bye. I just love the fact that technology allows me the opportunity to cyber travel around the world and meet all these amazing people. I thoroughly enjoyed my chat with Hannah and hope you did too. I thank her for her time, especially because I think having a baby in the house is quite hectic. Her time and energy is therefore greatly appreciated. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddie Counselor, or on Twitter at at Freddy, or Instagram at Freddie Counselor. Remember that Freddie is always spelt with an IE at the end. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.